the Lord's been talking to me about this, and I was kind of excited because um, he gave it to me last week, and then I wasn't preaching to you last week, and I didn't teach this to them there. Um, so it's it's been on my heart for two weeks, just bottling up, you know, ready to burst. And um, oh, when God gives you something, and you know it's from him, and you're excited, and you know it's a present word, um, it's like shaking up a soda bottle, <laughs> taking the top off, and then you don't stop it. <laughs> it just goes everywhere. And um, I believe that that's what God is doing with this word. I believe that it's a present word, and it's been shaking. It's been being shaken up. Amen. And, um, and, and that's because of your prayers. That's because of your worship. Also, just us just diving in and, and sitting in his presence. Um, I'm talking today about living in the glory. Living in the glory. And the Lord spoke to me. I already had this message, and we went to Glory Culture this last Tuesday. And um, I heard the Lord speak very clearly. He said, until now, you've enjoyed life. But from now on, you will enjoy it in a whole new way. Immersed, these words stuck out to me, immersed and engrossed in my glory. From this place, you will function and operate and live life. I don't think that's just for me. I think that's for anybody who will dive in with me. Like Austin was sharing that, that vision of, of the eagle soaring. <clears throat> anybody who will follow, <clears throat> anybody who will, who will take that same path will soar on wings as eagles, will soar in the presence of the Lord and, and will, will be um, mightily used by God in this time, in this season that God is moving. Amen. And the Lord spoke to me. He said this as another phrase. He spoke to me and he said, there is nothing wrong with being immersed in my glory. So clearly, you know, sometimes we kind of know the meaning of a word, but to get further um, knowledge and, and understanding, I looked up the word. And to be immersed is um, to be submerged, to be dunked, doused, drenched, soaked, to be baptized. He said, there's nothing wrong with being baptized in my glory. What does that mean? There's nothing wrong with being consumed with Jesus. And then what's engrossed mean? Engrossed means having all of one's attention, being ab completely absorbed by something. God wants us to live a life in the season that we're in because he, wants, he has a plan and a purpose to shine forth his glory as the waters cover the earth. So his glory and the knowledge of his glory will cover the earth. So God wants us to be immersed and engrossed, absorbed, all of our attention focused on what? His glory. What is his glory, you might ask? It's him. When he comes into the room, we sing a song, everything changes. The atmosphere changes. Why? It becomes charged with his presence. Where his presence is, is not absent from where he is. He is his glory. He is his presence. It's not just a substance. It's not, it's him. So when we're worshiping and praising God and, and, and then something changes in the atmosphere and you just feel a peace, you feel a presence, the worries and the cares of this world, things don't seem so big anymore. All of a sudden you're focused on him. His glory, his presence comes into a room. That shift happens. God wants us in this season. He says there's nothing wrong with it. In other words, he's okay with you staying focused on him and not on the things of this life or the cares of this life. Not to say that you should quit your job because he, the Lord said if you don't work, you don't eat. Right. Okay? But while you're at work, you can be praying in the spirit. While you're at work, you can be worshiping God from your lips. While you're at work, you can be meditating on the word day and night. He who meditates on the word day and night will be like a tree planted by streams of living water and his leaf will not wither and whatever he does will prosper. That's a life living in the glory of God. When you're in the glory, you begin to prosper spirit, soul, body, mind. Transformation starts to change. Jesus didn't lack for anything. Why? Because he was immersed and engrossed in his Father's presence. He lived a life free from sin. 
as an example to you and I. If we want to live the life Jesus lived because he's supposed to be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters who would walk in the glory, then we must also, like I taught Wednesday, if you weren't here, you need to hear that message in order to walk in what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about not living in the flesh, resisting the flesh, and walking in the spirit. But Jesus lived a life, and he said he only did, and he only said what he heard his father doing and saying. What is that? Obviously, the father, Jesus, didn't sin. And he laid his life down in that way of not sinning, not giving into the flesh, so that he could have a life filled with the father's presence, his power, and his glory. And I believe that the waters, like the water, like that scripture says, as the waters cover the earth, so the glory of the Lord or the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth. It's going to be because of God's people finally surrendering, making room for him to move in and through them, forsaking the flesh, dying to the flesh, and living a life consumed and filled, immersed with him and his glory. Amen. So as I began, I spent some extra time, and as I began to spend time with the Lord in my, in my prayer room, um, my prayer room, <laughs> we just made a new office, and it's mine. That's where he put the fish tank, so hey, and actually not him, but Holly and Mike and Ashton, thank you very much for that surprise, and Clayton organized it all. Yes, we still need fish, though. Um, it takes some time, I guess. Um, okay, so as I was sitting there and meditating on what he's telling me, he said, I want you to live a life. You're going to now live this life immersed and engrossed in my glory. I began to think about that, and I just began to worship the Lord, and all of a sudden, I saw this vision, and I knew I was in heaven and I've never seen anything like this before. But you can just imagine. I'm going to paint the picture for you. Um, if you went to a, a beautiful place like Hawaii or something, and um, you go into the mountains, go on an awesome hike, um, all of a sudden there's these natural pools and waterfalls. Well, I saw in heaven, as the Lord's speaking to me about this, being immersed and, and clothed, in his glory, I saw this, this natural pool and waterfall of liquid gold glory. And I was there, and, and I don't know, I didn't even think about it in heaven. I just jumped in. And I, I, I didn't feel rushed. I didn't feel um, like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, or I should have asked. Like, it was just natural response, like, I'm going to swim in that. I was enjoying it. I was swimming in it, and I was um, going under the waterfall, letting it drench me. That's what he wants us to live in. Be drenched, immersed in his presence. And uh, during Glory Culture this week, the Lord brought me back to that, but this time I was underwater and seeing all kinds of things in the kingdom of heaven. And the Lord said, there's a whole world you have yet to experience. God wants us to taste and see of the kingdom of heaven. We are a part of the kingdom of heaven. The word of God says, like Pastor Nick taught about, we're seated already together with Christ in heavenly places. So if you think I'm like so far-fetched because I'm talking about why I was in heaven, <laughs> we're all sitting there, by the way. Yeah. So our eyes should be open to be able to see where in the world we're sitting. And so all, I wasn't trying to make anything up. I was just sitting meditating on the word that he gave me, and all of a sudden I saw this. And um, let me just say, the glory of God refers to all of the Lord's qualities to the highest degree. It's especially um, referred to in the word of God as the brightness of God, of God's own person and God's own presence. God's glory in the word of God was so dazzling that Moses, uh, or, or that people could not look directly at God. 
there's something about his glory that was seen as a brightness among the tent of meeting and upon the temple where the prophet Ezekiel also saw visions of God's glory. And again, it was referred to as the brightness and majesty of his presence. It's so pure, so holy. He is so pure, so holy that he just shines. And if you study the word of God, that is the description. It's just light. Amen. So I'm just going to read this passage so we can get a better picture of when we talk about the glory of God, we're not just talking about like praising him and giving him glory in that sense. We're talking about the manifest Jesus walking into the room and his presence fills the room. So Moses had this really awesome close relationship with God in the Old Testament. And this is the Old Testament. They're experiencing the glory of God to this degree. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do everything that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. So when God is pleased with you, you can have answers to prayer. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. In other words, Lord, show me yourself. Show me your presence. I want to experience you in a whole new way. And the Lord said, I will call, and he's responding after the Lord said, I will do anything you ask. So, so Moses' response was like, like, well, then show me yourself. Show me your glory. Show me your manifest presence. And what is the Lord going to say? Well, no, but not that. <laughs> no, because he's pleased with him. He said, I'll do anything you ask. And so Moses says, well, show me your glory. And the Lord said, okay, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. Then when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. In other words, he saw the Lord. Just at that point, only the back, because from the word of God, if you saw his face, you would die. But what, what, is, what is the scripture talking about? He's talking about that God showed himself. God revealed himself, and they call it here the glory. The glory of God was shown. His glory was made manifest in his presence. He was right there. He's talking about him walking, him holding up his hand, and that he actually saw his back. His glory is him. And because Mo Moses saw him, because he spent time with him in his presence for 40 days on that mountaintop. What did he come back looking like? If you remember the story, his face shone so bright that the people begged him to cover it up. And that's the Old Testament. And that's the back of the Lord. But God calls us to seek his face in this New Testament. He's calling us to come up higher, to go deeper, to, to apparently bathe, be immersed, drenched, baptized, and engrossed, consumed, absorbed with seeking him, his glory, and his presence. This is the season that we are in where he longs to immerse and engross you in his presence and his glory. Why? What's the purpose? So that you can be like Moses and shine. So that you can be like Moses and let the whole world see who God is. Let your light shine before men. Well, guess what? If you're not immersed and clothed with his glory, you're not going to shine very brightly. If you're consumed with the world, it's like putting that bushel over your light. Recently, Clayton bought these really different light bulbs, which he loves. And he put one, <laughs> he put one in Jude's room, and it looks like a flame flickering. And Jude took his shade off, and I went to put it on, and he went, took it off. I went to put it on, he took it off. <laughs> he wants it to shine brighter. He wants to see that light. 
so many of us have been continually living our lives. Yes, we love Jesus. Yes, we go to church. Yes, maybe we read our Bible and maybe we say a prayer or two a day. But God wants us to be so consumed that at every waking moment we're, we're hearing, we're obedient, and, and um, yielded and surrendered to do what he wants to do, not just what we want to do. This life is to be lived for him to bring the Father glory. That's how Jesus lived his life. In Exodus 40, 34, it says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. Another portion of, of Moses' life and, and his relationship with God is reflected here. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So because of his seeking the Lord, the tabernacle was filled. Well, it's not for just the minister to seek the Lord and then you get a little touch, a little dose of the glory of God because the minister is seeking the Lord and then you get to go out and your pinky toe is drenched. No, it's so that you can taste and see of the goodness and the glory of the Lord till you become so hungry and so thirsty that you begin to seek after him with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind till you become consumed and drenched by his glory. Because if it's just the ministers, it's not going to spread over the whole earth. It's got to be all of God's people. And I guarantee you, if, if this group, and I know God sent you specifically for this season, if you will follow, if you will seek the Lord with all of your heart and soul, if you will seek his face, if you will get consumed with wanting to be with him, you will shine forth his glory and it will become contagious. How do I know that? Because the word of God says that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth. How? Because they're going to be hungry for what you have. Yeah. And then you can tell them what you do. How do you walk like that? It's going to become contagious. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God himself, why, why did they see the glory of God upon the tent of meeting? Because Moses went to meet with God and God showed up. The glory of the Lord shows up when Jesus shows up. The Lord taught me a while back, and I told you this a couple times. He taught me a while back that I can declare with boldness that Jesus has walked into a room when I sense that shift in the atmosphere. Um because of a number of reasons, but the Bible says out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. And, and there had been a number of times where I sensed that presence of the Lord, and then all of a sudden somebody would see, somebody that I trust would see the Lord walk into the room, would have a vision, would, would have an encounter, or, or just the Holy Spirit would just move like mightily, and I knew God was there. And the Lord said, when you sense that shift, you can declare with boldness that Jesus has walked into the room. Why? Because his presence is there, and it's not separate from he himself. Amen? What happens when the glory of God shows up? Well, the peace, joy, um, whatever he wants, anything you've seen in the word of God. And in 2 Chronicles 5.14, it says, The priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the temple. Oh, so sometimes we may not stick to the agenda and do things as planned because the glory of the Lord's there, and you're going to, if you want him to keep moving, you're going to subject yourself to whatever he wants. So they couldn't do ministry as usual they did it according to what God was leading. The Lord showed up, and they couldn't minister the way they had planned. I love that song, Show Us Your Glory, because that's really the cry of my heart. Lord, show us your glory. Lord, pour out your spirit. Pour out. He says to ask the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, and he will send bright clouds. It's a response to us desiring and yearning for him. Lord, show us your glory. That If Moses had never asked, he would have never received. He says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. We have to desire it. 
We have to desire and pursue his presence. Sometimes if God's trying to get a hold of somebody who is running the wrong way, he will supernaturally give them an encounter. But from that point forward, it's still their job to pursue God. Haggai 2.9 says, the latter, I just said it, the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And this place I shall give the ultimate peace and prosperity, declares the Lord of hosts. So with his glory comes peace and prosperity. Hallelujah. Blessing. The blessing of the Lord makes us rich and he adds no sorrow to it. His yoke is easy. His burden's light. It becomes an easy thing when you're flowing in the glory. There's no thing that he will withhold from those who walk uprightly. Why? Because it's not going to get in the way of you being yielded to him. If you're walking uprightly, he can trust you with it. If it's going to cause you to go away from God, he's not going to bless you with it because he'd rather you be with him than anything else. That's for somebody Seek him because you love him. Don't seek him to get from him. But in this last day, he says the, the, the latter glory is going to be greater than the former, which means the glory that they saw on Moses, the glory that Moses experienced by being in the presence of the Lord just because of relationship and, and the fact that he, he himself showed forth the glory of the Lord to the point where they physically saw it and were like begging him to cover it. And the Lord says the latter glory is going to be greater than that former glory. I don't know about you, but I want that. Yes. And he shows us the path through the word of God. How? How to live a life of sacrifice. How to surrender so that the Lord can fill you up. You're, you're singing a song, and, and you might mean it from your heart, but realize the words you're singing, Lord, I will make room for you. What does that mean? That means I'm going to put down the flesh. I'm going to stop yielding to the flesh so that it fills me, that fills me up and takes your place, and I'm going to start yielding to the Spirit and saying yes to, to what God wants me to do, yes to obedience um, to Him, yes to, yes to um, spending time with Him, yes to just soaking in His presence so that in Him, I live and I move and I have my being. I believe this is going to happen as we learn to seek his face. We have been learning. It's the passion. Somebody asked me, why do we call it Passion Church? And I said, it's just because we're so passionate about him. We can't do anything but focus on him. We're just so passionate about his presence. We just want more because there's always more. Not one of us has come to the epitome of what, knowing him. Even though Moses was seeing his, his, his glory and having the Lord manifest physically in front of him, he still wasn't at the top of knowing everything about the Lord. This latter glory is going to be greater. So the Lord's saying to me and you, life in the glory. I want you to live a life. You're now going to live your life from this point engrossed and immersed in my glory, and the Lord spoke to me on Tuesday. He said, life in the glory is a life led by the Spirit. It's not a life led by the flesh. Life in the glory. If you want to be someone who's, who is led by and, and, and consumed and grossed, immersed in the glory, you're going to live a life led by the Spirit. A life lived in the glory of God is a life that resists the flesh and walks in the Spirit. I don't know. Here's a question for you. Do you want to be used by God? Yeah? Well, the Lord says, if you want to be my follower, take up your cross and follow me. What does that mean? Die to self. Die this death to the flesh and follow me. I know we're a new man in Christ Jesus. Um, um, the old man is gone, and he's, that's talking about your spirit, but we still need to die to the flesh. We still need to take up the cross. And he says, what? Daily. Daily die to the flesh. So that you can follow him. So that you can be filled, engrossed, immersed with his glory. 
I was kind of questioning. I was like, Lord, there's some new people today, and Lord, um, there's some younger people in the Lord today, and and you sure this is the me- <laughs> you sure this is the message? And the Lord, the Lord has you here for a reason. He's stirring up a hunger and a thirst, and there is a call for you to show forth His glory. This is the reason you're here. Habakkuk 2.14, it says, For the earth will be filled. It will be. This is what's going to happen. He declares it. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The question is, will you be one of the ones to fill the earth with the glory, with that knowledge? Will you be one of the ones that leads the way, that shines like a light unto this world? It's totally in your court. It's totally up to you to say, Lord, here I am, send me. He's not even, I mean, yeah, he says go out into all the world and preach the gospel, but I believe that he has put you in your world, your neighborhood, your grocery store, your park that you take a walk in for a reason. You have an assignment to shine forth the glory of God. I can't be all those places. Every minister in the world could not possibly cover all those neighborhoods. It's for you to shine. Moses was called to shine to those people, to lead the way. Hallelujah. I remember this quote by Smith Wigglesworth. He said, less of me, more of God. None of me, all of God. That's what our vessel is supposed to be, consumed by his glory, consumed, engrossed, immersed with his glory. The Lord asked me not too long ago, would I surrender my family, give it to him? Would I surrender my complete obedience? Would I surrender my lust for other things? Meaning like we all like stuff. You know, there's always, um, for you, the lust for other thing might be a football game. God asked for it, Nick. <laughs> I know, is there a Packer game today? <laughs> You're good. You can, you can, okay. Anyways, so God asked me for my family. Why? Because that's like your number one heart, right? God asked me for my obedience because I'm either going to yield to my flesh or I'm going to yield to the spirit. And so he asked me to to yield to him if I want to walk in the glory. And then God asked me for the lust for other things. Anything that's going to take his place that's not going to make room for him. Anything that would be displeasing to him. Anything that he might, maybe it's not even a sin, but he might ask for it. Will you give me that time? Will you give me that slot? Will you give me, um, um, you know, a couple hours of your sleep? Whatever he asks for. And your answer should be yes, if you want to shine forth his glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God said, let the light shine out of the darkness. He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's in our hearts. This light, this glory is already in us. If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is not something we're trying to get. So then why are we not all walking like Moses? Well, it's a matter of how much are you drawing close to God? And how much room are you giving him to fill you? Because if you're half you and half God, you're only going to be half um, um, shining forth your glory. Putting a light, a bushel on you. Dimming yourself so that nobody knows. You're under the radar. Now, God wants to be us, us to be him to be on the radar. Actually, the Lord spoke to me one time that he, he said this place is a beacon in the night. That means this place should be shining forth. Why? Not because of me, but because all God's people are shining. They're walking in the glory. They're immersed and grossed in the glory. You get consumed with him. Supernatural stuff starts happening, and it gets really exciting. Talking about God calling you by name in the middle of the night, audibly talking about dreams and visions and revelations from heaven, encounters from him, opportunities to minister. 
It all comes from walking in his presence and his glory. So that's how God's glory is going to cover the earth. Is by his people getting hungry and thirsty after him to where they're, will, they're not willing anymore to yield to the flesh because they know they will forfeit the things of the spirit. What are we willing to lay down in order that we can pursue God first? In Matthew 6.33, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put him first. And he says, All these things will be added unto you. Everything that the kingdom of heaven has to offer will be yours. You'll be able to walk in the spirit. You'll be able to, to, to speak a word of prophecy. You'll be able to come to dreams and visions and revelations. This, this life that, that, that he has us swimming in, we have not yet experienced how supernatural it truly is. And the Lord spoke to me on Tuesday as well, and he says, you don't realize how vital it is that we all get immersed and engrossed in his glory. Yielding every day, taking up our cross every day, putting the flesh down every day so that we can follow him and walk in the spirit, so that we can be led by the spirit and in tune with the spirit of God. And I'm not just talking about like praying eight hours a day. Like it, that's good to pray in the spirit. But there's also a time when, um, when you're like on the phone conversing with somebody, there's a time to talk and then there's also a time to listen, to be still and know he is God, to wait upon the Lord. When you're waiting in a doctor's office, I'm pretty sure you're not talking, 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 talking. Maybe some people are. But you're sitting there, you're quiet, you're waiting, you're being still. You're probably not moving from chair to chair to chair to chair to chair to chair. No, you're just sitting. Some church hoppers are like that. Not being still enough to hear what God wants you to do. Be still and know he is God. Wait upon the Lord and he will renew your strength. You will soar high on wings as eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. Wait in his presence. This is what God wants to do right now. Isaiah 61. And this is what he's speaking to the church right now. This is exciting to live in this time. He says, arise, shine, for thy light has come. You've come to this place of pushing down the flesh. Oh, the Holy Spirit just came on me right now. And the glory of the Lord. For the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Wake up, O sleeping giant. Wake up, body of Christ. You have got a call, and that is to shine forth the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the earth. So shall my glory cover it. How? Through you. Through you taking up your cross through you choosing to live a life that's worthy and pleasing unto the Lord, through you making room for him to fill you and clothe you with himself. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, and we all with an unveiled face, like this is like not like the day of Moses. We're in a whole new season here. We all with an unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. We, when we're here in God's presence, or when you're seeking God in your own time, you are beholding. You sense God's presence come into the room. You're seeking him out of faith and, and, and pursuing him. We all with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord. We will be transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit might be jealous of somebody who, who you see is walking in the presence and the power of God. And it's a good jealousy. It's, it's, it's a, it stirs a hunger in you to want to walk in that, to see that stuff happening. And, and it's not because God loves them more. It's just because they're putting their cross up and they're following the Lord. They're putting their flesh down daily. 
and they're drawing near to God, and he's drawing near to them. Now, some he calls to do certain things, but we're all called to let our light shine. And what is that light? It's him. It's his glory. Colossians 1.27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. This is the mystery now being revealed to us right here, right now, today. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. For who? For the world. Christ is in you. This is the mystery of the ages. Christ is in the people, the body of Christ, and it is the hope of glory for the world to see that our God is God. God is calling the church, not just this church, but the church as a whole. He's calling us deeper and further, not just so we can get tingly, even though that's nice, not just so we can have a dream or a vision or a prophecy so that we can look good or get puffed up. He is calling the church to draw closer to him, to lay down their life so that he can work in and through them and shine forth his glory so that you can lead the way in your workplace in your home, in your family, in your neighborhood. I guarantee you, you soak and seek the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. He will give you divine appointments. And it will be easy. It will be not difficult. It will come as natural as can be. So many of us like worry and, and, and fret and you know, kind of fear that kind of thing. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? I think the disciples probably felt the same way when he sent them out for the first time, two by two. No, we wanted to be a follower of you. We didn't want to go and teach ourselves. Well, that's part of it. He's teaching us so we can teach others also, so we can share the gospel. Amen? God's calling us deeper into his presence so that we can bathe. I enjoy my time with the Lord. I, I, I sit in his presence, and, and sometimes he doesn't give me a dream. Sometimes he doesn't give me a vision. Sometimes maybe not even a scripture. But I know because I'm drawing close to him, he's drawing close to me. And I know that as I worship him and come in um, to his presence boldly and seek his face, and when his presence shows up, I know to be still and sit there and let him fill me up. There's seasons like that, and then there's seasons like... Vision, 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 <laughs> dream, dream, dream. And all, all of it is so exciting. And it's for everybody. It's not for a select few. In Psalms 47 or 42, 7, he says, deep calls to the deep. Listen to this. I'm just amazed. I didn't even think of the scripture when I, when I had this experience. Deep calls to the deep in the roar of your waterfalls. And all of your waves and breakers have swept over me. He has waterfalls. He has deep waters in his glory, his presence. He's calling us into the deep. He's calling us to draw closer and to swim in it. To go under, immerse yourself in it and look, see that he has so much to offer you. So much more to experience. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Don't you see the more time you spend with him, the more you become like him. The more you start having desire to do what he wants to, to do. To see things, the more you start seeing things the way he sees them. He starts living in and through us. If you want to write down John 17 to read the whole thing later, but um, I'm just going to say a portion of it. In verse 1, he, Jesus is praying for us believers. And it says, After saying these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that he may give glory back to you. 
fast forward to verse 22, and, and he's still praying, and he says, Lord, I have given them the glory you gave me, talking about us, so that they may be one as we are one. What is that? His presence. I've given them my presence. I will live in them and through them so they may be one as we are one. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I am in them and you are in me. So we've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit living in us. Because when we receive Jesus into our heart and life, he says the Father is in him. And then he gave us the Holy Spirit, who will not only be with us, John 16 says, but in us. And he will show us things to come and reveal the heart of the Father. He's the manifestation of all that God is working in and through us. May they experience such a perfect unity that the world will know. In other words, may they experience my presence so powerfully that the world sees my glory. That the world will know that you sent me and that I love you that I love them as much as you love me. Father, I want Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Well, we are seated together with Christ. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you love me even before the world began. So what happened? We're seated together with Christ in heavenly places. We can see his glory anytime we seek his face. And because of that, when we're in his glory, we're transformed so that the world sees not us, but Christ in us, the hope of glory. Jesus is praying that we would be so close to him, we would be one with him, that we would show forth the glory of God the same way he showed forth the glory of God. I'm going to wind it up here in just a moment, but I was like, Lord, do I say it all or do I put it into two passages, <laughs> two services? God is getting ready to raise up the sleeping giant. It's actually, it's time that she, you, arise and shine for your light has come for the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. You have not been seeking in vain. You've been being filled up. You've been being transformed by his glory, by his presence. We are the giant. We are, in us, is the hope of glory for this world. Colossians 1.27, again, for God wanted them to know that the riches of glory of Christ are for you Gentiles, too. For all of us. And this is the secret that Christ lives in you. And it gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. There's so many scriptures that are so powerful. Greater is he that is in you, 1 John 4, 4, than he that is in the world. <clears throat> I'm going to end with this scripture, but I'm going to share a couple prophecies, okay? Ephesians 5, 14 says this. For this reason, he says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead. And Christ will shine as dawn upon you and give you light. He's talking to the church. What? Oh. <clears throat> what causes spiritual death? Sin. What caused Adam and Eve to die to, to life living in the spirit in the garden? Sin and disobedience. The flesh. They went for what the flesh craved, and they got cut off from the glory of God. So do you see why he says, if you walk in the spirit, like Galatians 5.16 says, walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of your flesh. It's so important if you want to be one that he's calling to shine forth the glory of God. It is your choice. Not everybody will choose it, but it is your choice. 
And it says, Christ, arise from the dead. Arise from sin. Take up your cross and follow me. And Christ will shine upon you. I'm going to come back to that. I just want to share this vision. It's so supernatural. So I'm spending time with the Lord. Do I have your attention still? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Who will give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20. Okay. My dad used to do that. That's funny. I thought I'd pull it. Okay. <clears throat> this is a vital now message for the body of Christ. All right. Listen to this. Blows my mind. I'm spending time with the Lord. Just, I got done doing my devotions, read my Bible, just seeking the Lord, just started praying in the spirit. Got up, I, I remember I got up, went to the bathroom, came, sat back down, had too much coffee. And uh, don't drink coffee before you spend time with the Lord. It interrupts. Anyways, I'm seeking the Lord, and all I saw was, I, I'm not thinking about any of this stuff. I just saw this really strange vision, and I was like, why am I thinking about this? <laughs> so here we go. As I was spending time with the Lord, I saw a picture of Sleeping Beauty. This is before he gave me the message. I saw a picture of Sleeping Beauty, and as I dwelled upon what I saw, I saw what happened before she went to sleep. She took a bite of an apple. Which brings me back to the Garden of Eden. What caused the hindrance to Adam and Eve being able to stay in the presence of the Lord in the glory of God in the garden? It was partaking of that which was commanded them not to do. It was disobedience. It was sin. They allowed sin in, and they went to sleep spiritually, stepping out of the light into darkness, essentially asleep in the spirit. In this way, the enemy, this is the Lord just giving me a download of what it meant. In this way, the enemy is a deceiver of the brethren. He has so deceived, and he still works to kill, to steal, to destroy the plan that God had for Jesus to be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And as I mentioned, as I, as I meditated on, I was like, wow, Lord, wow. Like, why would I randomly be thinking of Sleeping Beauty? And then the Lord's like, well, what happened before she went to sleep? And here, here the word today is God saying, awake, O sleeper, rise from the what? Dead? What causes spiritual death? Sin? Arise, take up your cross, follow me, put down the flesh. Why? So that you can shine forth the light. And what is, what is she? She's a princess. She's called to marry the prince. And so the Lord started talking to me, and as I meditated on what I was seeing, suddenly I saw another picture, and I saw the prince come and kiss the lips of his love, and she awoke, and they married. God's waking up his bride, and he's kissing the lips of his bride. And if you will forsake what caused you to sleep, sin, the flesh, you will rise and you will be the bride of Christ, the one that he had intended in the first place to shine forth the glory of the Lord so that the rest of the people who he loves, he wishes that none would perish and that all would come to repentance. You will shine forth the glory of the Lord so that they can see and they can know the God that you serve. Hallelujah. How important what he's saying here. Church. Stop messing around with the things of the world. Stop giving in to your flesh. It's not worth it. There's a kingdom over here that you have yet to experience. And besides that, I want to shine forth my light through you. So that my glory can cover the earth as the water covers the sea. The groom is coming. He's coming now to awaken his bride so that she may fulfill the plan that he had long ago, that we may be manifest children of God, immersed, engrossed by his glory, manifesting his presence wherever she goes. Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
These are a couple prophets here, men of God, men and women of God. Mordecai Ham, the minister who led Billy Graham to the Lord. He said, God gave me a revelation of the last days. He says this, and I'm speaking, God's speaking to us. It is the layman, meaning like it is the common man that will reach the world. He went on to call layman the sleeping giant. George Washington Carver. There is going to be a great spiritual awakening in the world, and it is going to come from plain and simple people who know not simply believe, but actually know that God answers prayer. It is going to be a great revival of Christianity, not a revival of religion. This is going to be a revival of true Christianity. It is, in other words, you're true followers of Christ. It is going to arise from the layman, from the men who are going about their work and putting God into what they already do. From men who believe in prayer and who want to make God real to mankind. Charles Price. Layman, they all use this. They're not like copycatting. The Lord just keeps saying this. The common man, the layman, those of you sitting here today, layman will be his most important channel, not the clergy or theologians or great gifted preachers, but men and women with ordinary jobs in the ordinary world. In other words, we can't reach everybody. You're everywhere, we're not. There's so many more to be touched, so many more to know the Lord. Dwight L. Moody, if this world is going to be reached, I am convinced that it must be done by men and women of average talent. Tommy Hicks, God is going to take the do-nothings, the nobodies, the unheard of, the no accounts, and he is going to take every man, every woman, and he is going to give them this outpouring of God's spirit. And then I took this from a book. Let me stress this again. These statements do not reduce the significance of leaders in the work of God. These, um, those in fivefold ministry will always have their role as described in Ephesians 4. These spiritual leaders were never intended, though, to do all the work of the ministry, but rather equip the saints, every believer, to do the work of the ministry. In Acts 2, 16 through 18, Peter's talking about the great outpouring. And then prophet Joel prophesied. And it shall come to pass in these last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. On my maidservants, on my, on my men's servants and my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in these last days and they shall prophesy. I love this because God's covering every spectrum of humanity. He's saying the rich and the poor, the young and the old, the son and the daughter. He is not leaving any person out. Anyone who will lay down their flesh, take up their cross, follow him, will shine forth the glory of God. Arise, O sleeper, and Christ will give you light. Hallelujah. I probably could teach another message. Okay. I just want to read this um, prophecy that stuck out to me as well. I'm, I love when God confirms things. It's so cool. So God downloads this entire message through vision, through encounter with the Lord. And it's a now message. I know it is. I'm reading this book called The New Era of Glory by Tim Sheets. And, uh, He's actually just listing different prophecies by different prophets. And I read about six of them, and they're all good, and I believe all of them. But this one, and you'll get, if you've been in the services, you'll get that I think, I believe, that is actually for us. For a number of reasons, there's about five things that are said that the Lord has specifically said to us. The Lord says, I am going to use you at the tip of the spear to engage recovery for this nation. I am going to cause you to begin to recover losses from past seasons, says the Lord, because you have created, this to this, this is us, because you have created an atmosphere over this region that is ripe for the advancement and is ripe for the glory of God to descend. 
put your running shoes on because the pace is accelerating. And in the midst of acceleration, there is going to come multiplication. The Lord says, I have been shifting. Listen to this. Now you have your Gideon's 300. Now watch and see that acceleration begins the multiplication. I don't know if you know, but God gave me a vision of a baby. And I was like, Lord, who and what and why? And he said, you're raising up baby Gideons. Hallelujah. And I'm reading this, and I'm like, what? Now watch and see that the acceleration begins the multiplication. I have heard your cries, and I'm beginning to blow by the wind of my spirit. Listen to this. I just taught you this message. So arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Rise up, my people. Rise up and pray. Rise up and decree. Rise up and press in. Rise up and look in the spirit, for I am opening up new realms of revelation. I am opening up new dimensions. And it's so supernatural because I, I just read this last night. I had already written my message. And I'm, and I'm having this experience about the, the Lord said there's so much more to experience in my glory. And he says, I am opening new dimensions. Get ready. You are coming to a new level. You are entering a new season, says the Lord, and my blessings will overtake you, Prophet Jane Hammond. I take it personally. I said, Lord, that's ours. Why? Because the Bible says out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. And he has spoken to us a number of those specific things. And I just felt like impressed that that was spoken over us. And I believe we are called to spearhead a move of God. called 120 to turn the world upside down. Rise up. Take your place, body of Christ. For Christ is here to give you light. Let's rise. Let's stand to her. If that bore witness with you, if that bore witness with you, Thank you for helping me. God, we do. We want to make room for you. Here we are, Lord. Send us. Fill us. Let your light shine upon us. Let us be manifest children, men, women, children of God to shine forth your glory to this earth, to this nation, to this city, to our families, our homes, our neighborhoods. Let this be the beginning of the fulfillment of your word over our lives, our families, over this church, God. This is the day that you have been waiting for. Now begins the time of the fulfillment of your words over this church. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in every one of our lives. Lord, I pray, transform us by your glory into your image and likeness. Show us your glory, Lord. Lead us, Holy Spirit, on an accelerated path to walk and live in your glory. That's so emotional there because I just know he's called us to spearhead. That's why there's such a drive to pray. That's why there's such a drive to, to soak and be still in his glory and let him fill us with his glory with things like glory culture and morning prayer and 
intercession, seeking the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah.